It's like an eviction party. Yeah. Not the worst idea in the world. Right. Okay. Here we go. Are you ready? You got your timer? Yep. going on everybody welcome back to another episode of the team morale podcast where we do our three favorite things talk a little bit of booze a little bit of beer and a whole lot of basketball e and the tall guy back with you again for another podcast mitch we are on we're in the 30s we're in the 30s we have made over 30 podcasts oh man that dude that's scaring me because like i'm almost 30 so it's like freaking me out a little bit (laughs) it moves fast you guys we are flying through these. We are very excited to be back with you again for another podcast. We we are just happy to have a following actually to this point. Yeah. Hey, we love all you guys that are uh, that are listening and constant you know, weekly listeners. Everyone that follows us on social media, it's great. We love you guys. Yeah. Reach out to your friends, family. Throw us out there. We're trying to uh, get bigger and better, and we're just happy to be around. We uh, when we started this thing, uh, what was it like six months ago? We are. Like just a couple of guys looking to get drunk on the weekdays, and now I was just trying to find a reason to day drink, and all of a sudden we <laughs> we've just kept doing it. <laughs> and now people listen to us while we do it, which is super fun. So we are very happy to be here, very happy to uh, be talking basketball and booze as usual. Today we've got another banger of a podcast coming up. Um, the ESPN came out with a, a pretty big list, right, Mitch? Yeah. The top 25 players under the age of 25. So the top 25 under 25. They come out with it every year, and it's it's a pretty big list. Um, they have three of their top sports writers come up with their list, and they kind of combine them to make one big list. This year they did it a little bit differently, which, Mitch, I think you're going to explain here in a minute. But before we do. But before we do, today we are drinking... The lovely, the local revolver beer, Blood and Honey. It's a, uh, they call it an American ale, which is, you know, not totally used for uh, describing like the type of beer very often. Uh, but blood, so Blood and Honey, re- specifically Revolver, the brewing company, it comes out of, hold on, I got it right here. I just had it. It comes out of Granbury, Texas. So here local in the DFW area, and it's, kind of one of the local favorites like yeah yeah Yeah, it's a big local favorite it kind of burst onto the scene a couple of years ago where all of a sudden it just was like there and then people were like what is this and they started trying it and they started loving it mid-college for us i remember seeing it all over the place it went from it went from me like never heard of it never heard of revolver to it's like oh blood and honey is on every single menu at every single restaurant that you'll go to it's all over the place at lots of parties and stuff and it kind of just burst onto the scene it was originally created by a father and son duo ron and rhett keisler and uh the guys they started they come up with a couple different concoctions but their number one is this blood and honey and it's like like considered to be like the mvp of revolver and so and and there's not like there's not a whole ton of history to it it's pretty new it's pretty recent it is local here in texas for us but if you are outside of texas and you have a chance to find blood and honey it's really good yeah it's really good seven percent alcohol um just a solid a solid beer that the thing on the back of the bottle says an unfiltered deep golden ale brewed with malt two row barley and wheat Finished with blood orange peel, 
Texas honey, and a blend of spices. I was actually going to read that later on if you didn't do it now. Because, like, it's almost like it gives itself a little review here on the bottle. Tells you exactly what you're looking for. 7% alcohol. Like, it's just, it's kind of like a a nice looking bottle, too. I, I like it. We'll break down the taste a little bit more later. But overall, just, I cannot stress enough that this beer just was, like, overnight was not there and then there. And yeah. then it was everywhere. Like it became so popular so fast. And it just all of a sudden you went to your local grocery store and they were everywhere. Yeah. I'd be willing to bet that as far as beers made in the DFW area, this has got to be the most popular one, at least throughout the state of Texas. I know like I've gone to like Austin and Houston and like almost all of them have blood and honey. Like, but like, but they have a lot of good selection, by the way. Like, Revolver has a lot of good beers, but Blood Honey is far and away their, like, like what I said, their MVP. This is what they use, and, like, this is what, like, their go-to beer is. And it's totally just taken over in the state of Texas, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's starting to spread out a little more than that. Yeah, absolutely. If you are, our listeners, not in the DFWA or not in the Texas region, and you find yourself with the opportunity to get a Blood and Honey, give it a try. Yeah, it's give it a shot. It. It's a very nice beer. But... After talking about the beer, introducing it a little bit, why don't we break down this list for a second? So why don't you explain a little bit more about what this list is and why it's a little different this year than it was in years past. Okay, so they always come out with this list every year, and it's it's a fun thing to theorize about. If nothing else, basketball fans love to have arguments that have no real definition of like a winner. They right? love an obscure argument over things that cannot be compared. Exactly. It's like, who's the GOAT? LeBron or MJ? They love comparing people apples are, to oranges. Yes. That's what basketball fans love because there's no right answer and people love to take sides. Yeah. You take your side and you stand by it and you argue it and you can argue and argue and argue and argue. But at the end of the conversation, there is no winner. That's just, that's just kind of what it is. And that is what the top 25 under 25 is. They kind of take the stance of who do we think has the most potential? Like it's, it's almost as if like if you were in a fantasy draft right now and you were w- able to pick these players, who would you pick to like start building your team around in terms of the future? Yeah, that's a, gr- that's a great way of putting it. And so it's, yeah, so how are you looking towards these guys and what are they going to look like at the end of their careers? That is what they're guessing towards. They take three of their top writers and each of the top writers makes their own top 25 list. There's a couple guys that like, there's some dudes that these guys listed that didn't make it onto the top 25 overall. There's some that are super higher than the other guys, but there's three writers all with their own opinion, all make their top 25 list. They combine these guys, make an aggregate and ESPN comes out with their totality of what is the top 25 guys under the age of 25. And every year basketball fans eagerly wait this to debate who should be on it, who shouldn't be on it, who's too high, who's too low, who's potential are they overrating this year there's a clear person who they are very highly valuing their future potential which will be fun to talk about later um we'll get into that a little bit later but let's let's kind of break down this list let's kind of dive into it talk about it talk about what we like what we don't like and we're going to divide it into three different parts so they have their top 25 so we're going to go 30 to 25 who is like the end of their list and guys who we think they left off. So yeah. Mitch, let's, let's kind of dive into that a little okay. bit. So I'm going to, or do you want to run down the whole list first? No, I, so I want to, I'm going to start off with the guys who have aged out. 
Okay. And this is according to the ESPN, like the ESPN article. So you're looking so, at the article right now. So okay. yeah, I'm looking at the article right now. So these are the guys that they have listed that were on the list last year, and they now have like turned from 25 to 26 years old. That's Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Zach Levine, and Chris Hapsprzingis. So these guys no longer eligible. They're over the age of 25 or whatever their cutoff is because they have like. They have like 22.6 as their age. Like they have it very specifically defined. So these guys might be like 25.1 or something like that. But Just they're officially narrowly not. Aged yeah. out. I would throw another guy on that list. I'm not sure if they mentioned there. Uh, Jokic, who barely, I think is 25 yeah. or 26 now, who a lot of people uh, were talking about in, in uh, what I saw about this list. Um, so he's also aged out of it. Yeah. And so I'm going to start off with the guys who did not make the top 25 that we think probably should have made the top 25 or they were voted for by one of the other writers that did not make the eventual yeah. top 25 list. So here's the list of those guys. Um, Sean Marks, he put RJ Barrett at 22 and DeJounte Murray at 24. Um Kevin Pelton put OG Ananubi at 21, Emmanuel Quickly at 24, and Keldon Johnson at 25. And I forgot the first night, first name of this guy, but it's Schmitz, and he got the top 25 like perfect, outside of RJ Barrett. So basically, you went writer by writer, and some guys picked guys that were left off. So mm-hmm. basically, the guys that didn't make the list that probably could or should have are, and I'm looking at the list right here: Jaron Jackson Jr., Triple J. And that's injury related. That's that's more injury related. Um, I I mean, of all the guys that we listed, to me, he should be on the top. Yeah, like he and should then, be top of this list. So so guys that didn't make Jaron Jackson Jr., Jonathan Isaac, R.J. Barrett, Dejounte Murray, O.G. Ananumi, Emmanuel Quickly, and Keldon Johnson. A lot of guys there to dive into. Um, I would say Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Jonathan Isaac, as you said, injury related. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely like both of those guys have pretty much been out this entire season. You know, Jaron Jackson actually has had a pretty decent health record throughout his like basketball career up until this year, which he hasn't played the entirety of, the entirety of this year. So you like forget how good he is. Same thing with Jonathan Isaac. The guy was like up for like a DPOY award last year when he was averaging over two steals and two blocks a game. And then you got some random dudes. So I'm going to start off with the, the first random guy that should not be on this list is Emmanuel Quickly. Yeah, no, that guy popped for like two months. He's and, fine. He's good. He's okay. Like he's good for a rookie. Yeah, I mean, if, if if that's the case, you might as well throw Jalen Brunson on this list. <laughs> yeah, give, uh, yeah, like he's a solid young backup point guard. It's exactly what he is right now. Does he have the potential to be better than these other guys? Sure, sure. He maybe he does, but overall, I would not have him even be sniffing the top twenty-five. Twenty-five under twenty-five tells me the way the NBA works now is. You need to last longer. At, at 25 years old, it means you've been in the NBA for a minute. Let's be honest. In the NBA... Depend, I mean, depending on if you're a four-year guy out of college or not. But Generally, yes. you've been in the NBA for a minute. Quickly has been in the NBA for like six months. <laughs> I need I need to know a little bit more about you, man. But that being said, you've got a, another rookie here, Keldon Johnson, who has been a staple for the Second-year guy. Keldon Johnson played in the G League last year with the Spurs, and he's a second-year guy now. So, but anyways... First year with the Spurs. Yes. And, First year actually playing with the Spurs this year. And uh, has been a staple for them. A solid player. Barrett really popping this year, but people are kind of a little bit afraid to trust him. Mm-hmm. RJ Barrett, because he's kind of sucked up until this year. His efficiency has been all over the place. Like he has some games where he really pops and looks, he looks like that guy. It's like, 
oh, he might be an all-star. Like, he, he's looking like he could be an all-star. And then he has other nights where it's like, oof, this is like this is rough to look at. Yeah, but then the two that I can see that are, like, on the fringe of this list are DeJounte Murray and OG Ananubi. Oh, I totally agree Both with that. Both those guys are studs. Let's be honest. Young studs. DeJounte Murray especially. I'm surprised he's not on this list. I look on this list of 25, and I can pick guys that I would take DeJounte Murray above. I am I am a huge supporter of DeJounte Murray. I think that he's going to end up being one of the best defenders, at the minimum, best guard defenders in the NBA. The dude is like a total terror Long wingspan, as quick as they come, like laterally, very, very quick and super explosive. He's a really fun guy to watch. And I think the Spurs are leaning into him as being like their guy going forward, which to me points out that he is, he should be in the top 25 because he's looking like he's turning into a star. You can kind of see like that crest for some guys. Like I feel like I'm seeing that with DeJounte. Yeah, he, he's just a stud overall, um, really good, just needs to develop a little bit of a jump shot in order to like really kind of well-round his whole NBA game. Mm-hmm. But in terms of defensively, in terms of ball handling, in terms of passing, he is as good as they come. Yeah, super creative guy, like very, very creative on the uh, on the handle, very creative in the way that he distributes to his uh, teammates. Um, I would agree he does need to get a little bit better in the shooting category. He's been okay, but he hasn't it's not knocking your socks off in an era where three point three pointers are so valuable. He's been okay, but he's not where you would want him to be if he's actually going to make that turn and become an all-star. Yeah. And then the other guy, uh OG Ananubi, just another stud, a good defender, um, averaging fifteen points a game. Just a good player, an efficient player. Um I would pick Murray over him, but still a, a, a good option here. Yeah, totally agree. And then the other guy was OG, and OG is playing like well, that's one what of I'm the, talking about. I'm talking oh, about. I'm OG. sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. Come on. Come on. <laughs> My, I got caught up. I was looking at the list. It's really fun to like look at this list and go over it. But OG is gonna be one of the best three and D guys in the NBA if he's not already right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he shoots over thirty nine percent from three. He. Uh, plays really good defense. He's efficient overall, averaging 15 points a game, like I said. Just a a well-rounded player. It's just Toronto's struggling this year, so he's not getting the coverage he deserves. Yeah. No, I I totally agree. I think that next year Toronto plans on having... Go ahead and open the new bottle, man. It's okay. okay. Be loud. Go ahead and be loud. I'm not going to hide it. Ethan's already cracking open the second bottle. The stuff's good. It is. It's good stuff. Um... I think I think the Raptors are turning a corner next year. Like they know that they're not bringing Lowry back, and that's why they traded for Gary Trent because they know that their future is Fred VanVleet, Gary Trent, and OG on the wings. Yeah, and all three of those guys shoot lights out. That is a very scary core. All of them good defenders. All of them good shooters. Like I think that OG is kind of going to be the best player of that group, though. All right, so we're already what like 15 minutes into this podcast yes and we haven't even touched the list yet so let's all get right. into the all list. right all right i do like talking about the at uh, the uh the, the guys snubs. Who, the snubs. absolutely the snubs let's let's break down these last five before we get into our next group so the 20 through 25 on this list are deandre ayton tyrese halliburton john collins jared allen lonzo ball and colin sexton is there anyone there that screams out to you like they don't deserve to be on this list um, if anyone screams to me, it's Sexton 
and really? they have him at 25 and that is because he was so good to start the year but year he's been in the league for you know more than just this year and he hasn't been very good so i kind of disagree with that so i i think that his his rookie year he like the entire casting was just bad and he was like the rookie that was like it was one of those things where it's like we're gonna toss you the keys and it's like you're just gonna be bad but the Cavs look good at the beginning of the season like well, they, that's they've what had I said. some he good popped for like they've had two some months, good moments every NBA player pops for two months at some point I mean and then they come back down to earth and he's back down to earth I'm I'm I like Sexton a lot I think that Sex, Sexton has shown to me he's one of those guys like he's super intense like you've seen some of those oh, videos of, like his intense. eyes go like crazy wide he just gives oh. you the crazy eyes and it like freaks you out a little bit uh, also he's got that dumb little rat tail I'm just looking at that right now but I, mean, I don't his, love that his three point percentage has progressively gotten worse he shot 40% his rookie year 38 his sophomore year and now he's down to 35 this year I mean his field goal percentage has gone up but He's just overall like three point efficiency has gone down. His points have gone up. He's averaging twenty four a game. But I, I, again, I think I'd take Dejounte Murray over Sexton. I'm gonna be honest. That's tough for and me. You're, I really, ugh, I tells really, me I'm I, right. No, nah, I, I really like both of them. I, I think that I would take Sexton over Murray as far as long term potential. If we're talking about like who would you rather, which is draft why this list was the, consistent. Yeah, it's like like if, who yeah, you're going to draft in a fantasy draft for the rest of like your franchise. I think I'd probably take Sexton because I think he has a higher ceiling. Now the guy I don't like on this list, and I think you're going to disagree with me, is Lonzo. And I actually, really? I actually really like Lonzo. Like I'm I think Lon- I think Lonzo's a great dude. I think that he has like shown consistency and improvement over the last couple of years. But I don't, I don't think that he should be on this list. I think that there's a, I would. Just about everyone that we listed behind him should be higher. I mean, he, the dude averages except 15, for Emmanuel quickly. <laughs> the dude averages fifteen five and five. Like that's solid. But, but it's solid. I think. Well, here's my take: is he is going to be a solid basketball player for a very long time. I would be surprised if he ever turned into an all star, though. I'd agree, but I mean, that being said, like you're talking about twenty five under twenty five. You think all twenty five of these players are going to be all stars? I mean, maybe, maybe not, but we're looking at guys that have potential to be all-stars. Hey, Dad, don't call me. When you're listening to this podcast, you'll know that you're calling me in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> uh, but so I'm going to go down just this list of this, like just this group of 20. DeAndre Ayton, Tyrese Halliburton, John Collins, Jared Allen, and Colin Sexton. Every single one of, the guys, one of those guys I think has the potential to be an all-star. I do not see that with Lonzo. I don't see it with Sexton and Allen. I'm a I do. I totally do. Dude, I think DeAndre Se- Jordan was an all-star. I think that Jared Allen makes the all-star game in the same way that Allen does. If the Cavs that was a all different stuff- brand of basketball. Well, no, let's, say, let's year- say the Cavs are really good. Let's say the Cavs are like a top four or three seed and it's when- led by Sexton and Allen. LeBron's coming back. They're going to be a top no, four or three seed. No, but dude, these guys are 22 and 22. They got a long time to develop and make the Cavs good. In theory, I mean, we saw the Hornets and Knicks be good this year. Like, it's not out of the realm good of possibility. Is good is in, like, the top four seed in the East. Which is 500. Which is relative. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're Lonzo, I think he deserves to be there. You don't. I don't think Sexton deserves to be there. You do. I kind of think the other parts of this group is pretty right, though. I would agree. You know, Aiton, Halliburton, Collins, and Allen are definites in, on this list. I do think Collins might deserve to be higher, but um, in, in the in the interest of time, let's move on to our next group. 
because otherwise it's going to be a three-hour podcast. <laughs> which I could talk be, about this stuff forever. Which is going to be it. 10 through 19. So I'm, I'm going to rattle off 19 through 10 here. So Anthony Edwards is 19. DeMontis, so we're going backwards. Yes. DeMontis Sabonis is 18. Mikhail Bridges is 17. Trey Young, 16. DeMont, or ja Morant, sorry, Ja Morant, 15. Michael Porter Jr., 14. Jamal Murray, 13. Jalen Brown, 12. Brandon Ingram, 11, and Shea Gildress-Alexander, 10. So, okay. I'm going to start off with this. There's a lot to unpack okay, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack here. There's a lot of just very different styles of players, um, guys with, I think, that have high floors and guys that I think that have high, very high ceilings. Um, I'll, I'm going to start, start with this for you. Who do you, of this group, do you think is going to end up being the best? The best? The best player out of this group. Like At the end of their career, you look back, they have the best stats, best accolades. I mean, a lot of this is like, you know, could go anywhere, but who of this group do you think is the best at the end of their career? Which is funny because I see one guy that definitely doesn't deserve to be here. Do you want to start with that? Who's the guy? That, I see who, who one doesn't guy deserve to be here? who definitely does not deserve to be here among these names. Okay. I don't see a clear number one, but I see a clear last. Okay. Who's your last? Mikhail Bridges. 100%. Great player, great defender, but really, you're going to put him at 17 above Sabonis, Edwards, Aiton, Halliburton? Like, come on. Again, the potential's there. Great defender. He could be a DPOY candidate. But, like, at 17 above Sabonis, who's already an all-star twice? Like, come on. Yeah, dude, that's pretty wild. I So, here's, like... I don't think Mikhail Bridges should be in the top 20. If you put him 20 through 25, I'd be like, oh, I'd be yeah, like, okay. He's going to be a really, really good third option I don't role know. player guy for the rest of his career. I don't know if I'd take him over Lonzo. Oh, I do. I'd rather have Mikhail Bridges than Lonzo on my team. I don't know. But the it fact depends that what ha- you need. But, but, that, but the fact that we're having that discussion and he's at 17 is ridiculous to me. No, okay. So obviously we're going based off of potential but a guy yes. i mean a guy that i don't really love and i don't think should be in the top 20 right now is edwards edwards has has popped he has had huge games but cory brewer had a 50 point game like random like andre miller had a 50 point game random guys can go off and pop off and it's like yeah but he's it, also had a couple of 40 point games too yeah so it's like he like when he's on he is absolutely on and it's it's wild you could, you how could say the same thing about jamal murray and we're not arguing that either but Jamal Murray has actually played on a team and been like a role. Like, you mean he's had, had a, good teammates? I mean, he, look, it's not like Anthony Edwards has bad teammates. Like Carl Anthony Towns is pretty so darn he's got good one basketball good teammate? player. D'Angelo Russell is a hasn't pretty darn good basketball player. All this year, he's barely played. They have plenty. They have like they have okay guys around him. It's not like he showed up and he was like. I mean, I I say that Colin Sexton is was by himself when he showed up on the Cavaliers. Well, yes, but, but I mean, like Anthony Edwards has some guys on his team and Colin he's been didn't have a 40 cons- point game when he was by himself on the Cavaliers. I just like, I have a hard time with his consistency being all over the place. I think he's a really fun personality. I think that his pop potential is as high as just about anyone on this list. He could go on to be one of the best players that we've ever seen, which is he why he's 19, which is why he's that high. But like, I think that the, the major inconsistencies in his personality and is like in his ability his rookie year shows that he should be a little lower. I mean, I think that the major inconsistencies show the exact opposite. I think that, well, once he's You think no that's going to show that he's going to be a good player? I think that, like, rookies are inconsistent. Wait till he figures this game out. 
see how good he can be. Wait till he figures it out and puts his consistency together. I don't That's know. That's how I see it. I don't know if this is like a fair argument to use, but part of me thinks that just because he plays for the Timberwolves, he's not going to be that good. That's fair. Like I don't I mean, like that's kind of mean, but <laughs> I mean that's that's kind of a dick move, but I. Right. <laughs> but again, um, let, Brandon Ingram solid or SGA solid at ten. Brandon Ingram I think is solid at eleven. I would agree. Um, Michael or Jamal Murray, Jalen Brown I think are good as they are. MPJ is a little interesting. MPJ is very interesting. I think at this high. I, I, I think he would be lower because... Really? He, well, again, he's about as inconsistent as Anthony Edwards. He either shows up or he doesn't. Okay, do you do you want to know what his highest ranking was? Like, of the of the guys who voted and made this list? I'm guessing he's probably top five. He was three. Yeah, I could see him being top five. There was Sean Marks listed Luca, Zion, and then Michael Porter Jr., I, which is kind of the Michael Porter Jr. experience. Well, again, he could beat that good, but again, if he could just put his consistency consistency together, which is the same argument we're having with Jalen Brown, or not Jalen Brown, uh, Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards is if they could just put it together, but that's the hardest part of the NBA is coming in day in and day out and, and producing. Even when you're not like feeling your shot, can you still produce numbers yeah i mean i get that but also he he he's never going to be more than the third option on that team because you got Jokic and then you got uh murray those guys are going to take the bulk of the shots i think if michael porter jr showed up on a team it was like on the magic it's like take all the shots this dude would be really good everything about his mechanics everything about the way he moves on the floor screams superstar to me is it weird to you that jamal's 13 and mbj's 14 um, is that is that weird to you? Okay, so if this was purely hypothetical potential, like what is like if this list I would was take all MPJ about like over Jamal personally, if, yes, if I'm if, building a team today, yeah, like if this list was based all on like what is your potential, like ceiling, like ceiling to ceiling to ceiling, like that's how you're listing it. I think MPJ would be should be ranked higher. But if we're talking about who's a better player right now, Jamal Murray is a much better player. Right oh, now. night and day, yeah, night and day. But again. But I, yes, I think if I had a team, I would probably take 13, MPJ 14. over yeah. Is it weird that they're 13, 14, though? Kind of like right next to each yeah. other sort of thing. A little bit. It's a little weird. It's kind of funny. If you're MPJ, do you take offense to that? Nah. Well, maybe like personally, like maybe like secretly. I mean. Maybe you're like looking around. It's like, yeah, screw that guy. Like, I'm better than him. Turning the page just a little bit. I see two guys here that should definitely be higher. Okay. Who are they? John Morant and DeMontis Sabonis. Those are two guys who I think... I would take Jaw over Murray, MPJ, and SGA. Real quick, I think SGA you take, is really you take, high. Do you take Jaw over Trey Young? Yes, I do too. I th- I I completely agree. Question. I actually completely agree with you. I think that Jaw is. I think Jaw is much better than all these guys. I think that he is a dude that like makes your team better. Literally, the the Grizzlies are like, okay, we're in tank mode, and then they drafted Jaw. Like, never mind, we're gonna make the playoffs. Great, <laughs> <laughs> terrific. Well, it, it, again, so I I take Jaw over Jamal Murray. I take him over Jalen mm. Brown. I wouldn't over Jalen Brown. I would I'm take him very over Jaylen. high on Jalen Brown. I would take him over SGA, who they have a ten, which is wild. I take him over SGA for sure. I take him over Ingram. Um, let's get. Uh, I guess we can't really talk about our top nine, not yet, but not, yet, not nine yet. But there are some guys in that list I would take Jaw over as well. I would probably, if I'm looking at this, I'd probably put Jaw at like nine. Now, if we're talking about like ceilings, Jaw and Trey. Both have and Anthony Edwards all have MVP level ceilings. 
Yes and no. Trey, I don't think does, but yes. Trey, because of the stats he puts up. I mean, yeah. all it takes is having like some like like a crazy year of like wild stats. And you wow need team everybody. success to win yes. MVP, yes. and the way Trey plays doesn't lead to team success. Yeah, that's fair. I would totally agree but with that. But the, the other crime in here is DeMontis Sabonis at 18. The two-time All-Star at 18 is ridiculous It's kind of weird to me. He's only 24 years old. He's played for three different teams already. Yeah, that's it, wild. Yeah, he was, he was drafted by the Magic, he played for the Thunder, and then he played for the, the Pacers. And he's, I mean, he's like at the max here. By the way, he's twenty four point nine. I don't know I if mean, like I don't know if like twenty five level which, is like what their like level is to go down. But twenty four point nine, he is at, as old as you can be on this list. But the dude is a two time all star. I, I guess the one thing that you can say is like he is what he is at this point. Like he's not getting much better um, in terms of just overall. I guess they don't see him as being more than what he is now, which is an mm-hmm. all-star, but like, come on, like you're saying that Mikhail Bridges is better than him. You're saying that Trey young is better than him. You're saying that SGA is better than like, again, my, my biggest crime to this list so far is the Montes bonus being at 18 and Mikhail Bridges at being at 17. That's, that's I mean, ridiculous. Sabonis needs to be over Bridges. That's for sure. Sabonis should probably be in the top 10. How many guys have on this list have been an all-star twice? Even once, like there's even once a lot of these guys there's haven't no been one ahead once. of him that's been an all star twice, uh, at least to well, this point. At least to this point, between eight between twenty and oh, between 10. T- okay, yes, okay, because when we move into the top yes. ten, yes, there's been some guys, uh, but yeah, I I would agree with you. I mean, you know me, I'm a Sabonis lover. My favorite jersey that I own is is his father's jersey, and I think that Sabonis has already shown that he is the focal point leader of a team that's good enough to be like top four seed top five seed and like actually be in the playoffs and competing and like being a top level kind of team you already know for a fact you have that with Sabonis with a lot of these other guys you're kind of theorizing I think he might be good enough to lead his team to maybe be a top four seed the more I think about it, the more the fact that they have SGA at 10 is wild to me. That is weird. That is wild. That is weird. I mean, I get that the Thunder, I mean, pretty low expectations going into the season have overachieved even though they suck and they're the worst team in the West. But like you kind of thought they were going to lose every game and almost be as bad as like that Charlotte Bobcats team that won like nine games or something like that. But they've, they actually have shown to compete on a night in a night, like night in night out level. And it's all led by SGA. I will say that this year SGA has shown me a lot, but there's nothing that tells me he should be over Almost Ingram, everyone. Brown, Murray. I would not take SGA over Ingram, Brown, Murray, Porter, Jaw, Trey, Sabonis. I'd take him over Edwards. I was about to say, I would if I were doing this list, I would have Ingram at 10, Brown at 11, Murray, MPJ, Jaw, who I don't know. I'd have Sabonis higher than a lot of those guys. But anyways, I would take SGA, Trey Young, and Mikhail Bridges and move them all down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I would totally agree with that. Yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, again, some of these names are just kind of all over the place. Sabonis being at 18, SGA being at 10. There's just a lot to unpack here, but we've kind of exhausted that unless we want to talk in circles. So why don't we revisit <laughs> this beer all right. and talk about Blood and Honey a little bit more. All right. We're going to reload and talk a little about Revolver Brewing. So... Uh, I really like this beer. I think that the beer I would compare it to a lot is 
um, Blue Moon. It's very weedy. It is a very, very weedy beer. It's but a, it's also got like this tang of like sweetness to it. Mm-hmm. It's got it's got quite a bit of orange, I think, in it. Which and makes like, it Blue Moony. Yeah, which I think makes but it. But it's a, also like, got this like smooth finish that's like honey. Oh, yes. I, yeah, because, I mean, so they do add in, like incorporate honey into it, being the blood and honey and whatnot. And I th- I want to say the blood is coming from like an orange type of flavor. Well, they have a yeah, blood like orange what, peel yeah, in it. That's exactly. what it said. yeah. Oh, yeah, there we go. The blood orange peel. That's kind of cool, actually. I like that it tells you. And then Texas honey and a blend of spices. I was going to say, I, I get quite a bit of the spice in mm-hmm. it. And it's like, it's hard to blend the smoothness uh, of like a weedy beer and it's like, and it's, it's a little bit, it's like, it's supposed to be a little bit hard to drink, almost like an IPA. It's supposed to be like, you're going to like kind of work your way through it. But it, th- to me, blood and honey always is just so easy to drink. So smooth. Like I could, I could be out in a summer's day and drinking it. I could be up on the mountain drinking it. And it's kind of like a very versatile beer. It's the flavorful, but smooth beer. So like it's, I don't want to say it's like Tennessee honey, but I'm comparing honey to honey to where yeah. like you end up drinking way more of it than you thought you could mm-hmm. because it's so smooth yeah. type thing. But there's also a lot of flavor to it. Yeah. For me, what's really fun is like if you drink it and kind of like coat it over your tongue, you like get the, like the tingliness of like all those spices. And it's like when you just drink it and drink it, it's like you don't really like you don't really like taste a lot of the spice. But it's like when it coats your tongue, I was like, oh, it's like, oh, that's fun. Like I'm seeing where you're coming with on that. There's more to it than meets the eye. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Blood and honey. I mean, I have drinking this a ton. It is blood. So revolver brewing blood and honey American ale. Go and check it out. We drink this all the time. When I'm at a restaurant, it's kind of a go to of mine. So like if I. It's one of those, like, you can't find what you want on the menu, but you see Blood and Honey, it's like, okay, I'll, I'll roll with that. I know I like that. That's what, It's one of those beers because it's, it's everywhere here in Texas. Yeah, it's all over the place. And again, I cannot stress this enough. For those of you who are our listeners that are not in the DFW area, not in the Texas region, for those coast to coast, wherever you are, if you end up seeing this, give it a try. Yeah. It's worth it. 100%. Absolutely. We love repping the DFW stuff. You know, for us, it's local. We love promoting all the local stuff. It's also I easy would, to find. I was going to say, this has got to be the easiest to find, probably, of the local things we've promoted. Yeah, it is all over the place. A yes. lot here. A lot going on, for sure. A lot to impact. Very beautiful beer. Like, very tasteful. And it, it's perfect on kind of any sort of day that you're looking for. So, go and find yourself some Revolver Brewing Blood and Honey American Ale. Yeah, Totally. 100 percent all right so we've got nine through one here the top nine do you want to read them off or do you kind of want to do this kind of interestingly you know what yeah let's do this interestingly all right so we're gonna do this with a little bit of a flair uh i guess um, we love us some flair so we're gonna announce each one and then we're gonna kind of break it down and see we have time for that right you're, you're, yeah. Mitch is our time guys yes so yeah we have time for that yeah we got time for that so let's break down each player say we should have them higher or lower Fair, that's fair. So, are we doing it higher or lower, just like purely based on like, oh, this number feels low for him, even though we know what the uh, higher guys are. We'll leave it up to okay, okay, up to what we what What we we decide. What we think. Okay, okay. So, number nine, we have the big man out of Miami, Bam Adebayo. So, I feel a couple of ways about this with Bam. One is, I think that his potential is way higher than a lot of people think. It is. I think that his potential is... Kevin Garnett, because that's what I think. 
I was going to say Ben Wallace, but Kevin Garnett also makes a lot of sense. I mean, effectively, the best defender in the game for years on end is what his ceiling is. And having the best defender in your, on your team and a guy that he's mobile, he, you can put him on the perimeter and he makes a difference. You can put him next to the basket and he makes a difference. You could have him handle the ball up the court. Like he does a lot of things on offense. It's not like having Rudy Gobert out there where it's like, ah, we're going to throw you lobs and that's about all you're going to do on offense. Like Bam is a really versatile guy on offense, but his ceiling is like, Oh my God, like you cannot do anything against this guy on defense. Kevin Garnett won an MVP. Yes. And yeah. that, I mean, that's, that is in the realm of possibility if he upped his points per game. That being said, is he better than Sabonis? In my mind, no. That's really interesting. Like that's Sabonis really interesting. at 18 and Bam at nine are, is the, because there, there's not a lot, if you look up and down this list, there's not a lot of big men. There's not a lot of big men. And, and there's a gap between, Bam at nine and Sabonis at eighteen. Yeah, no, and that is interesting to me. You're very right. I, I'm, I'm very high on Bam. I really like all of the things that Bam can do. I mean, the fact that he averages five point three assists a night as a big man is super impressive. I also love Sabonis, and I think Sabonis should have been higher in the first place. I agree, he should have been My, higher, but should he have been higher than Bam? No. No, no. It, it hurts my heart to say I love Sabonis, but I do think that we are seeing what Sabonis is, which is awesome. Which he's is awesome. Good. He's, a, he's an Bam, all-star. Bam, but Bam could be a DPOY MVP candidate. Yeah, but Bam could I, have this crazy high ceiling. My, my point in saying this was there's a huge gap between 18 and 9 in terms of big men. There's not a lot of big men on this list to begin yeah, with. Yeah, a lot there's, of guards. Let's see. One, two... Three, four, five on the list of the top totally, twenty-five of the top twenty-five, and we've gone through four of them now. Yeah, yeah, it's a. Uh, There's not a lot of big men on the list to begin with. It's not a lot of big men to, to begin with. Um, I kind of think that nine is about right for Bam. I would agree. It's about agree. It's, it's about, about right. where he is. His ceiling could be crazy His high, but if could he stays where he's at right now, he's still really good. He's like, still like an all-defensive first-team type of guy. He is having a down year this year compared to last year, which I think helped him, or not helped, hurt it hurt him, but also him being as good as he was last year helped him get to nine. Yeah. Because the way he's playing this year, he isn't nine type thing. Mm, yeah, I can see that. I think, la- yeah, last year in the playoff run specifically yeah. boosted his notoriety, yeah. so that makes a lot of sense. Let's move on to eight. Um a guy who I see as criminal, criminally low, and that is Devin Booker. Devin Booker at eight feels weird. It, it feels it? wrong. Doesn't it feel weird at eight? Like the guy it, scored seventy points in a game, and they have before you turn twenty five, and they have him at eight. And that was even before they were good. And now he's on the number two team in the West. And I'm not going to say that Devin Booker is leading the number two team in the West because that is Chris Paul that is leading that team. But what I will say is he's the best player. He's the on best that player team. on that team. Yeah, he is the best player on that team. It's like I love me some Chris Paul. Chris Paul, he shows up and he makes your team exponentially better. But Devin Booker is the best player on the number two seed in a just absolutely loaded, loaded Western Conference. It feels weird that they have him at eight. My only thing that I can think of is them being like, he is what he is. That being said, he is what he is, is like young Kobe Bryant. Yeah, well, let's not just throw that out. Like He can, he offensively could be Kobe Bryant. 
like defensively, he's never going to touch what Kobe did, right? That's fair. That's you know what fair. I mean? That's fair. But offensively, he does a lot of the same stuff that Kobe His did. His game is kind of creepily similar. It, it, you can tell that like Booker was like a Kobe fan growing up. And like I've, he said this no, numerous times. He put like, he's been a huge, one of, one of the names that you always hear when it comes to Kobe stuff, Kobe tribute stuff. Devin Booker's always one of those names that you're hearing about. They saw, I, I've seen one of these videos where, you know, they like cut between stuff. So like it'll be Devin Booker doing like this spin move fadeaway thing. And then they'll, they'll cut to a Kobe Bryant thing. And mm-hmm. it's like, eerily similar type thing it, it's kind of eerie the guy definitely modeled his game after kobe um guy's a absolute killer on offense will he ever be what kobe was defensively absolutely not will he ever have like a shack to kobe probably not but it, it offensively the guy is one of the best players in the game yeah i mean so he averages 26 a game four and a half assists four rebounds on 50% from the field and 37% from three. And mind you, the three pointers that he's taking are not wide open corner these threes. Are, these are step backs. These are contested. These are off the dribble. These are not easy threes. Yeah. Like we're always knocking guys like Luca, where it's like his percentage seems lower than what it should be because he's always taking those like step backs. He's taking hard, hard threes. Devin Booker has worked his way up from like like kind of like lower than like below average three pointer, but then he's kind of worked his way up to above uh, average three pointer. And uh, it's one of those things where it's like, I think that he's turning really good. His potential is super high, but I also, I think that he should be more around five. I was going to say, I think, that I, that's I, I, think land. I think he's definitely higher than eight. I, I'm looking at this list and I, I would put him at around five. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the next guy, which would be the, Big man, but not big man. So I'm not going to call him a big man. It's the point forward as by definition, that's Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons is super interesting. Uh, again, he might win DPOY this year. So my gut says that he should be higher. Like he also feels like he's a top five talent when you're talking about the top players under the age of 25. But I don't know. I mean, he refuses to shoot the ball, which to is a me, big part of basketball. To me, it seems right at seven. Defensively, he's one of the best players in the game. Offensively, he's okay. If you told me anywhere between four and seven or four and six, that's kind of where I think he should be. I I, I think that he is very okay where he is. Again, I, I, in the NBA right now, you shoot a ton of threes, right? And you shoot a lot of outside shots. You shoot as a guy who cannot score from outside the paint as a guard. You're 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 really capping your potential. I just think that he needs to be like the number one guy on a team with the team built around what it is he get does the Giannis well, treatment. get the Giannis treatment, and we would see a whole nother level of what Ben Simmons can be. I think that he could be a, a 20, 25 point per game scorer just because he gets the hole so well, but he refuses to shoot threes. And on a like, team, doesn't even try anymore. And on, and on a team where he's not even kind of the best player, like, I mean, that's Joel Embiid 100%. Like, He's got to kind of cater. That being said, as a guy who's bought into his role, the team is really good. Like you can't fault a guy for buying into a role. A coach coming and said, listen, like offensively, you're good, not great, but you could be elite defensively if you buy in. Yeah. And buy this into year, this role. He has bought in. Yeah. Oh, he totally has. And, and that's is, why he might win DPOI. He is a scary defender. And 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 that's why seven, I think, is a good spot because just on defense alone, he is well deserving of being in the top 10. He definitely, I mean, he's definitely top 10. 
but we're talking about a guy that might be the best defender in the entire league, and he's only seventh in the top 25 players. Like, off, obviously, offense is a big part of it, but defense also is an, 50% of basketball, and this dude is might be the best defender in the entire game. Yeah. I think that he should be a little higher, but I'm not going to complain about the fact that he's seven. I could see him moving up to six looking on this next name, but... I, I think seven's fair. I could, Again, I could see him flipping places with this next guy who would be one De'Aaron Fox. Yes. De'Aaron Fox is a bit of an enigma to me. Um, he has shown big-time flashes. He's kind of, like, carried the Kings and in, in a way to where, like, the Kings were, like, bad, bad for a long time. And like, then hard to watch bad. Yeah, and then De'Aaron Fox showed up, and it was like, we might make the playoffs. I'm not saying that he... I'm not saying he should be top 10. I don't I, really think he should be top 10, but I do think that there's a level of credit that he deserves that people are going to like poo-poo him on for being top 10. It's like, oh, he's not that good. It's like, but yes, but he is still very, very good. He's a good player. He's a good player. He's a good young player. Of the guys that are in the top 10, he is the least deserving in my opinion. It's mm. between him and SGA. Oh, yeah. Yeah, SGA I don't think should be in there at all. I think that to me, Fox should be... Again, lower. this is bank. This is also based on potential, and his potential is good. His potential is pretty high. A guy who could defend, a guy who's fast, probably one of the fastest players in the NBA. Growing three point shot every year. Yeah, I was about to say is getting better at shooting. Can jump with the best of them. Can yam like nobody's business. Oh, I love a good game winning dunk. You know, I you mean, don't see a lot of good game winning posters. I, mean, these I think days. he might have two yeah. of them. <laughs> so just all over the place. Super good. Super fast. Super fun to watch. Um. He comes in at six. He's at six. I don't know if there's a whole lot to say outside of I I I love watching Darren Fox. One of your better league pass guys. Like if you're just gonna like pop on the Kings game, pop it on. Check it out how De'Aaron's doing. Check out how Halliburton's doing, and then pop it off and go do another game. But De'Aaron Fox is absolutely worth watching. But yes, he's too high. And moving on to number five. I mean, these top five are definitely interesting. Definitely. Uh, Full of intrigue and full of, uh, I guess, debate would be the right word. Number five, who is just kind of a wild name at number five, is Jason Tatum. Dude, I love Jason Tatum. I, I think love Jason Tatum I, as well. Five feels low for a guy that has led a team to an Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Right? Like, if you lead a team to the Conference Finals... And you're not even 25 years old. It feels like you should be in consideration for number one. That not being said, at number five. the team is struggling to get over yeah. 500 this year. It kind of sucked this year. Which uh, it, it's same really guy. Sure. I don't even know why. Same guy. I would argue he might have even a better team this year. It, the Celtics are in a very, very weird spot this year for numerous reasons. You can go to like, like, do we keep Kemba? Do we not have enough bigs? Is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, are they the guys? Are they the guys together? And like who, like a lot of debate this year is who's better between Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum because Brown has taken such a big leap forward while Tatum has pretty much been what Tatum has been for the last several years, which don't get me wrong, is an all-star, is an all-NBA caliber type of talent, an awesome dude. We talk, but, but how good? But but where can you, can he take you to a championship? That is the question that Celtics are in right now. We talked how Devin Booker resembled Kobe. Jason Tatum 
He's another guy that's like that. He's yeah. another guy who looks who looks like he modeled a lot of his game after Kobe. That really nice footwork, the fadeaways, the mid-range game. Plays a game. lot of good defense yes. as well. Yeah, Tatum plays a lot of good defense. He modeled his game after young Co- or older Kobe, for yeah. sure. Yeah, oh, With you that can, like, can turn around, totally fadeaway type game. Yeah, his jump shot, his clutch gene had a lot of clutch shots this year, but... For a guy who can't will his team over 500 in the East. In a bad East this year. Five seems okay. Five seems okay. So I was kind of in my head coming up with a list of like what I think it is. In my opinion, Tatum is in my, which people aren't going to agree with me, but Tatum's two. Two? Yes. I Tatum to me four. is Tatum to me is two. I have him at four, personally. And that's fair. I'm ahead of one of these guys. Some of these, I mean, some of these guys, it's like, it's, it's hard to argue against a lot of these guys. I mean, they're all great players. We're nitpicky here. Yes. And my nitpick here is that he is in year, what, three, four. So he's got multiple, uh, ample time to figure out the NBA and he can't will his team over 500. Come on. In the East. Come on. I mean, yeah, that's, come on. That's rough. But everything he's shown me up to this point has just like. He's like, he already is a superstar. He's only 23 on the dot. And he has a, like, he's going to be on this list for another two years. Well, yeah. And he could get better. But I'm saying you've got another guy on this list in Jalen Brown. You've got an all-star in Kemba Walker. And you can't be above 500? Come on. Yeah. Come on. Look, I agree. I agree that that is kind of weak. But I think that we're like, this list, we're talking about the potential of someone to me, Jason Tatum is a guy that if I draft, I think I can win a championship with. Oh, I would agree. You could definitely win a championship with Jason Tatum. And maybe Tatum. he wins an MVP. And like, we're kind of in this group, like when you're getting to the top 10, top five, these guys are all like potential all-stars, potential MVPs, potential number one guys. But yes, like I, yeah. I love Tatum. I've liked him for a long time. I would agree. Let's move on to number four. Um, Donovan Mitchell of the Utah Jazz. Ah, man. Donovan Mitchell is, he's another. So good. Okay. We're point i think we've talked about this but dude's only six foot one i can't believe he plays like he's six six and a a a great and i'm talking great defender oh yeah a great defender ice in his veins scorer especially in the playoffs Mm -hmm. i mean x amount of guys have had 50 point games in the playoffs hit so many clutch shots and it's the figurehead on a team that's the number one in the west yeah. Like out of nowhere, number one in the West. So he is the figurehead of that team, but that team is really good. Yes. You know what I mean? So it's like like the team is kind of like better than the sum of their parts sort of thing, where the team is the team of the jazz is overachieving than what you would assume just by based on like personnel. But Mitchell is the leader of that team. He's he's the emotional leader. He may not be the oldest guy. Like you still have Ingles, you got Conley and Gobert and like older guys, but it seems to me every time crunch time comes around, everyone's looking at Mitchell. As they should. Yeah. I mean, the guy is clutch as clutch can get. Mm-hmm. Hits so many big shots. He's undersized. He can yam with the best of them. He plays good defense. This guy has got the whole package figured out. Career high 40% from three this year. That's scary. That is super scary. Because if he can, if he's making threes and he's 
we all know the type of threes that Donovan Mitchell likes to take. I was about to say, he's not ones. making easy threes yeah. either. Him, along with Booker, along with Luka, like, these guys are taking the hard threes. They're not taking the easy threes. He's no. taking the hard ones. And the fact that he's over 40% this year should be a very scary thought to a lot of teams because, to me, I think his ceiling rose a lot this year. I always thought that he had a floor of, like, he's just going to be an all-star, like, for a long time. But I never really thought that he was going to enter best shooting guard in the league kind of territory, going to enter, like, potential MVP, top five MVP, like, first team all NBA. That, the way he's playing this year shows me that he's probably more in that category than I thought he was going into it. I would agree 100%. Great player. Going to be a great player for the long time. I would argue this year, or this generation's Dwayne Wade. Yeah, I mean, when he came into the league, that was kind of what he looked like. And if he's going to be he able can to shoot, shoot like this, this like he he's going to he be better shoot, than this generation's Dwayne Wade. But. He's shooting better than Dwayne Wade ever shot. Now, Dwayne Wade was a was a freak, and he was faster and quicker than Donovan will ever dream to be. But, yes, their games is very um, similar, the way that they go about playing the game of basketball. Very aggressive. Yes. Very aggressive, just love to attack the zero, win. 100 to zero again. He goes to like, just start, stop, start, stop, super yes. jerky His, type. Yeah, that burst, that burst ability, right? Yeah. yeah. Moving on to arguably the most controversial, controversial, wow. Don't worry, we're not getting drunk. <laughs> controversial <laughs> player on this list. Mitch is going to have a lot to say here. They have LaMelo Ball at three. What the hell? What the hell? Number three? Okay, so I understand that he has very, very high potential, right? Super high potential. But are we really... Okay, I'm going to go over a list of guys that I think are... have. At, at, at least the same amount of potential that LaMelo Ball does. It's okay. You can open the beer. <laughs> open, I'm trying to open it quietly. He, he's trying to be quiet over here. Okay. Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Simmons, Booker, um, Jalen Brown, Murray, Porter, Jaw, Trey. Really? In terms of potential mm-hmm. as well? Yes. All those guys. That's ridiculous. All those guys. That's All those ridiculous. guys, I think, have the same potential that, that he does, which if we're talking about your maximum potential. Every single one of those guys has MVP maximum potential, and every single one of those guys has shown me that they are better on their team and like more valuable to their team right now than LaMelo is. The Hornets are arguably better since LaMelo's been injured. What? No. He got injured. They went on a huge streak, and they were the number four team in the East. LaMelo is, a, is at least top ten. Okay, look. Should he, he be three? I would agree. No. His his max I, is should, very high, but his ceiling is very low. I should think. he be three? I would agree with no. Should he be in the top ten? One hundred percent. I don't know. I don't. I just. We're gonna I, have to have a whole Lamelo dedicated podcast. I, look, I. The funny thing is, I like the way he plays basketball. It's fun to watch. It's super fun to watch. You get it. You think he's a dick. Move on. We've been here no, before. It's, he's super fun to watch, and his stats aren't amazing, but he is a rookie. Your stats your rookie year usually aren't amazing, but he's not like the number one guy on his team. Like It's not like they toss the keys to him. Like I don't understand why we're deciding that he should be a the top three over guys who have been all-stars over guys that have been to the freaking finals, like Bam Adebayo over guys that are like potential M- like defensive player of the year candidates like Ben Simmons. I would take all those dudes on my team over LaMelo if I was drafting. Cause he's putting up Luca like numbers as a rookie and everyone is like on this Luca train where they're like, wait, you did what Luca did. Cool. Let's say you're Luca. Hold on. I got, I, I believe you. 
But his stats is only like here, here. 16, you look up, six look and up six. Lamelo stats. I'll look up Luca stats. Well, I was, I was okay. I'll, okay, I'll go. I'll go over to uh, to Lamelo. Again, it it's not like it's not like I want him to be bad. I think that he's really fun. I think that he's a good time to watch. I think that he is going to be a big personality in the NBA for a very long time. But I just I don't know. All right, I what was his points for games his rookie year? Uh, Luca? No. Lamelo. Okay, Lamelo is. I'm sorry, I'm still getting there. He just hasn't played in so long; it's hard to find his stats. Uh, okay, so he is averaging 16 points a game. Luca was 20. Six assists. Six assists. And six rebounds. Seven rebounds. Okay, Luca averaged 20 points a game. Yeah, well, Luca was. Lamelo really Ball is not Luca. And people, but they, but they, people but want they to see be, that, But they see that big guard who can do what Luca can do. Like that, that's the thing. That's what the NBA is going towards. Well, okay. So I have a theory. You want a fun theory? They are putting him this high because they want him to be that good. He is one of the most marketable. Him along with some of the other top guys we've had here are some of the most marketable young guys they've had in a very long time. Lamelo's been famous all like since his freshman year of high school when he put fifty. And it's uh, you mean a hundred. When, yeah, he put up a hundred. Yeah, freaking like he, he just cherry picked his way to a hundred points. He may have scored fifty of those, which is impressive, but like fifty of those were cherry picking points. Anyways, he's been he's super marketable. The NBA wants him to be super good. The ESPN is in the NBA's ear all the time. I'm willing to bet that he's actually he he turns out he's to be top an all, ten. He turns out to be an all star, but nothing more than that. He's top ten. I don't know. I think that he I think that he turns out to be an all star, and he's nothing more than that. I would put him above Fox, Simmons, Bam, SGA. That puts him in the top 10. I mean, yes, I will accept top 10, but I will not accept top three. I won't accept top three either. <laughs> I won't even accept top five because there's five players better. It is fun. Speaking of it the five players It is fun to have him here because it's very controversial. Yes, absolutely. We're going to be a million minutes long if we keep going here, so let's keep going. Let's move on. Zion Williamson, they have at number two, which I think is fair. Still feels like kind of high for a guy that, like, is about to break Shaq's record for most consecutive twenty-point games in a row. Still feels kind of high for a guy that, like, again, we've had other dudes on this list that are in the category for first-team All NBA, in the category for Defensive Player of the Year, in like the like good, like best player on good teams, and. Zion is arguably not the most important player on his own team. Arguably, like you could sit you can there say and, the same argument about Shaq every year, though. Someone needed to get Shaq the ball. You could it, honestly. It's, you it's could. the problem with being. A I've big never really man. thought about that. But it's you the could. problem with being a big man. The big man needs the ball. Someone to get him the ball to score. That's the problem with today's NBA. Is like everybody in the NBA needs to create an ISO shot, where Zion's going old school. We're like, you get him in the position where he can score and he's going to score every single damn time. He's going 90s with it. So here's the thing for you. Zion has two other guys on this list and they're not even sniffing the playoffs. Well, yeah, because the Pelicans are bad. Yes, he has two other guys in the top 25 under 25. Like you, I mean, maybe in the East, you're like a much better team. And I, I think you can make that argument for most Western Conference teams. But they're like right now they are deep in the hole, not looking like they are going to even make the playing game. Zion, I think, absolutely 
top five, absolutely like minimum top ten. If you wanted to put some of the other guys over him, I don't know if I'd necessarily like bitch about it. But his, I understand that his ceiling is wildly high. I mean, his ceiling is is Shaq, LeBron, Shaq like, right? Yes. And so I I totally get that. So if he's number two, I'm I'm not going to complain as nearly as much as I complained about Lamelo being number three. I totally get it. Zion has already been an All Star. He's already awesome. He's already putting up like. Crazy stats on crazy efficiency. The dude's going to be really good, obviously. He needs, I don't want to say more help because it's not the right word. He needs the right help. And the way the Pelicans are constructed are just so clunky and weird. Mm. And like, yes, they've got good young players, but they've got some really old bad players. And they've got some weird weird fits. Everything about them is just weird. So I'm not going to fault Zion for that, but he's going old school. Which you kind of yes. have to appreciate to where, like, can he get his old shot in transition? 100%. But, like, you'd ask him to get his own shot in the half court? No. But if you get him a shot where he's effective, he's unbeatable. He's dominant. He's yes. unbeatable. And that's he's- old school 90s. You're talking Shaq. You're talking your Tim Duncans. You're, shocking, you're talking a lot of those old school guys are just dominated on the block for years. And that's and that's probably what he's going to be. If he can pick up a three point shot, if he can develop his game as he goes forward, even if so it's not young, even right? like an average three point shot, if he can shoot like 34 percent from three, or at least the guy's got to kind of get out there. Like you have to think about defending him. It makes a big difference. Yes, it makes a big difference in a, like in a defender's eyes when it's like I'm just going to let him shoot the three and I'm going to try to defend the paint as opposed to like I kind of got to get out there and put my hand up and if you do that, then he blows right by you and that and that it's by over. itself. Like put like gives the big up. Thing, the big thing for Zion is obviously the injury risk because mm-hmm. there's just so much. Everyone knows there's so much torque on those knees. You're just hoping that they hold hold for as long as they can. Yeah, and it's true. I Zion is really fun to watch. I just I'm I would like to see a bit more of the team success before we put him at a place like number two. I would totally accept number five. This is why I kind of like Tatum at number two. He has already taken a team to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like he's proven that he can be an all NBA caliber talent. Zion clearly is on his way to there and whatever they put around him. What's the team you can develop around him? But yes, I agree with you. I think that he's definitely a top five kind of guy. Absolutely. Let's move on. I'm kind of curious. Numero uno. Was it a unanimous number one? Do you know? I think so. Let me, let me double check. I'm very confident that this was in a unanimous number one. Go ahead and just say it, say it, (sighs) say it and say it proudly. My guy, my maverick, Luca. Freaking Doncic, baby. It was unanimous, by the way. Yes, he is this generation's LeBron. There's not a lot, I mean, there's not a lot to like discuss. He is the number one guy. When you're putting up triple doubles, when you're in the MVP conversation, when you're going into your third season, and he's 22, he just turned 22 like less than like two months ago. So he's gonna be on this list for another three more years. Right, so it's and he'll like, be number. He was number one last year. Yeah, like going into this season, we discussed this preseason. We both thought that he was the leading candidate to be MVP. The leading candidate to at be 20, the at the MVP. time twenty one years old. We're not talking about a guy that in theory might win MVP someday if he develops this or that. Like this is a guy that right now is a walking thirty point triple double and very well may be like the MVP at some point maybe a champion at some point. It's like, this is the kind of thing that you're expecting from Luca at this point. And it's whether he can live up to those expectations and it's whether the Mavericks can put the pieces around him to win a championship or, 
Maybe he goes somewhere else and does it. You hate to see that, but Luca is an all-generational talent, and that's no doubt about it. Absolutely, 100%. The big, the big knock on him going into this year was like, can he figure out how to shoot the ball? And in the past like three, four months, he's shot 40%. On those crazy step backs, that like, little, dude, that little like underneath the legs step back, like it's almost like an underneath the legs and like a hardened step back. And yeah. It, oh, dude, it's beautiful, man. It's a travel and a half, but no one's it's calling everything's it. Everything's a travel so, now, man. We're gonna we're gonna live with it, but yes, Luca, not even a question in anybody's mind. Just all generational talent, like you said, a walking tri- triple double at the age of twenty two. It's one of those things where if he scores like he scores less than twenty, you're like, is he okay? Is he hurt? Did Is something okay? bad happen? Yeah. Like, you good, bro? Like, I mean, playing with, like, kind of scrubs for the most part, but, like, just willing the Mavericks, making them going, like, they the Mavericks went from literal, like, I hope we get back to the playoffs at some point in, like, our lifetime to, like, we have championship aspirations with one guy, and that's it. Dude, that's the beauty of having a guy like Donnie Nelson in your front office is he was, he's so European forward. Like he's very active in the, in the Euro markets and who's good and who's not. He knew for a fact, like he knew for a fact that Luca was the best player in that draft. And that's why you work so hard to trade up. That's why you traded the multiple firsts up to go and get Luca Doncic because he knew it. He knew it before everyone else. The moment that Luca stepped on the NBA court, we all saw it. Luca, his rookie year, they're like, Oh, is it harder to score here? It's like, kind of easier. I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of space in the NBA court and allows me to work, do my work, do my magic. Luca is kind of designed for this current NBA. They call LeBron like the king, but in 10 years from now, people will be saying Luca magic. And Luka I magic. I'm a firm believer in that. Do you want to like copy the magic thing though? That, that I would that's ha- what I, they say. Luca magic. That's what they say all the time. This ooh, is Luca magic. The second iteration of magic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Um, that is our 25 under 25, uh, capped off by Luca and being number one, a lot of intrigue along the way. It's a lot of potential driven. We'll be kind of interested to hear what you guys have to say about this. Whether you think we were wrong, we were right. Is LaMelo the right guy at three? Is G- SGA the right guy at 10? Should Simonis be higher? Should Mikhail Bridges be higher? Should, a- am I full of shit? I don't know. <laughs> um, those are just our two opinions. I'd love to hear what you guys like to say. I'm sure Mitch would as well. Uh, just a lot of fun to have here. Yeah, a lot of fun. I love stuff like this. This Stuff like this list sparks debate. This is what makes watching basketball so much fun for us as fans is to like sit there and just like kind of bullshit about stuff just sit there and debate topics that really have no true answer and it's so fun that's why i love this top 25 list every year comes out yeah absolutely cheers brother cheers buddy